Well, today we're going to continue our, our, our series of the ministry of Jesus. We're going to be focused in John 5, 1 through 15. And we're going to, the title this morning is Waiting for Healing. Waiting for Healing. Um, look, I, no doubt, all of us uh, in this room have, have lived long enough, okay, that at some point in your life, either you, know, you already have or one day for sure, but where you face a health issue, okay, uh, or, or maybe even it's a health crisis. But it's, you know, it's one of those things that's beyond what an aspirin or a simple antibiotic, you know, will solve, okay? Um, and uh, for many of us that have been there, or you might be there right now, you know the feelings uh, of concern and uncertainty that these types of situations can bring about bring about. Uh, so today we're going to read uh, the biblical, biblical account of this disabled man uh, who had been in need of healing for 38 years. 38 years. And I think we'd all agree that's a long time. So let's, uh, let's read about that. If you've got your Bible, you can open up. Uh, it's going to be in John chapter 5, verses 1 through 15. I'm reading from the NIV. The verses will be on uh, the screen as well. So John chapter 5 verses 1 through 15 starts out says sometime later Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there was in Jerusalem near the sheep gate a pool which in Aramaic is called Bethsaida and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, and one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and he learned that he had had, he'd been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once, the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, it's the Sabbath. The law forbids you from carrying your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, well, who is this fellow that told you uh, to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who he was. For Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and he said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. First several verses we read that, we're told that Jesus had returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. It doesn't tell us specifically which one, but what we are told is that it happened on a Sabbath. He was there on the Sabbath. Okay? Uh, now, maybe you know this, but uh, under Jewish tradition and Jewish laws, uh, the Sabbath was a day which basically no kind of work was allowed. 
really wasn't very much allowed. In fact, uh, even travel was severely restricted on the Sabbath. In fact, I read this, there were like, the, the, the rabbis, they created like 39 categories of things that were prohibited uh, on the Sabbath. Uh, for example, uh, and this is why the guy got in trouble, says no carrying is allowed on the Sabbath. No carrying, uh, no writing, uh, no cooking. All, all the, the wives in Jerusalem at that time did like that one. There was no cooking. That was a popular one uh, with, with people with large families. Uh, the kids all like no washing. That was very popular. No, but, or even plowing. Look, the thing is, you could not, there were so many things or rules about what you could not do that restricted life. And even we talked about walking. Walking was limited to basically what was about two-thirds of a mile. Okay, which, I mean, honestly, I thought at first, well, that's not so bad, except when you think about where people lived and relative to the temple. I mean, and there weren't cars. So, I mean, you know, you can walk two-thirds of a mile in a day pretty easily just doing normal, normal things. So, very restricted. But it tells us at some point on this Sabbath, Jesus entered this area where there was a pool known as Bethsaida. Now, there was a long-standing belief that the waters of this pool would occasionally be stirred, okay? And that, and that when that happened, first one into the pool got healed. So, and because it would have these healing powers. As a result, the pool area was always filled with people who might, were, were lame, were blind, were paralyzed, you know, unable to walk. Whatever it was, these were people for whom the doctors of the day could offer no cure. They, they had no hope uh, for, for getting better on the, from the doctors. And so this was like the last place they could, they could go. This was the last place they could be. So these people were brought to the pool to wait. These folks were, imagine over time, can, you can become hopeless about I'm here, but nothing's happening. People who felt they had no power to change their kind of their lot in life. In their minds, their only option was going to be if they could be first one in the pool when the water got stirred, that they might be healed. So tells us one of the people there was this man who'd been unable to walk for 38 years. We don't know the cause of his infirmity, but it would appear that he had been able to walk at some point earlier in his life. And um, so that it doesn't appear that his inability to walk was, it was something from birth. But along the way, something had happened that had caused him to become infirm. And over time, he had become a man who had lost hope and felt that he had no power to do anything about his situation other than uh, just wait for an opportunity to hopefully uh, to get into the pool. But think about it. That day when that guy got brought to the pool to wait, what he didn't know was that on that day he was about to have an encounter with Jesus. Okay? And Jesus is the very embodiment of hope. He's the one that can turn the most hopeless of situations into a miraculous victory. One that will bring praise and honor and glory to God. 
interesting, it tells us when Jesus became aware of how long the man had been there, he asked him, do you want to get well? Okay, before we go any further, let's consider that question. Does it seem like a strange question to ask in a way? Do you want to get well? You know, in Matthew 9, Jesus was approached by two blind men. In Matthew 9, 27 to 30, it tells us that as Jesus went from, uh, on from where he was, two blind men followed him, and they called out, Have mercy on us, son of David. And when he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him, and they asked him, uh, and, and, and they came in him, and Jesus asked the blind men, he said, Do you believe I'm able to do this? And they said, Yes, Lord. And so then Jesus touched their eyes, and he said, According to your faith, let it be done to you. Notice, the blind men asked Jesus for help. Jesus just responded by saying, do you believe that I can help you? And they said, yes. In Luke 5, a man with leprosy came to Jesus. In Luke 5, verses 12 and 13, it says that while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground, and he begged him. And he said, Lord, if you are willing... You can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and he touched the man and he said, well, I am willing. And he said, be clean. And the man immediately, his leprosy left him. In this case, the leper seemed certain of Jesus' ability and his power to heal. He just was wanting to know if Jesus would be willing to do it for him. But in this case that we just read about here, the man didn't call out to Jesus. In fact, we don't, from the scripture, doesn't appear that anyone around the pool called out to Jesus. Yet Jesus asked the man if he wants to get well. Okay, then on, on top of what might seem to be a rather unusual question comes an even more surprising response. Because, I mean, what do you guys think if Jesus said to you, do you want to be healed, what would you think the answer would be? Yes. 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 Right? And, and it might be yes, like, yes. <laughs> I mean, really, if you had been lying by a pool for 38 years and someone came up to you and said, would you like to get well? Yes. I mean, I think I would summon up the biggest breath I could take and make sure he heard me <laughs> so there would be no confusion. But, but he didn't say that. Scripture tells us that when Jesus said, do you want to get well, he started immediately making excuses about his situation. Why do you think the man responded with excuses? He was very depressed. He was hopeless. Maybe he felt responsible for his sickness. Those are all, those are all, <laughs> you know, look, for, for many years, the man had been hoping in the water of the pool, right? He'd been hoping in the water. But now, in this moment, Jesus, uh, he's confronted with Jesus, like I said, who is the 
author of hope. He is he's the source of healing. He's actually the one who has the power to change this man's situation, to the power to transform his life. Okay, look, have you ever known anybody that if you ask them about their own situation, they kind of immediately have a long list of excuses for why their situation is what it is? You know, and, and, and part of those excuses make sure that you know that it's not their fault in their view? Okay, look, here's the truth. We're all good at making excuses, aren't we? We're all good at making excuses, especially for whatever we don't like about our lives. It kind of goes something like, you know, well, you know, my life would be different if. My job would be different if. You know, my relationships with my family would be different if. You know, it may be possible that this man had actually become comfortable blaming his situation for everything in his life that he didn't like. But the problem with blaming your circumstances or others for your situation is that the longer you do it, the longer you stay there, the harder it becomes to stop and to climb out of that hole. The man by the pool has had 38 years to get comfortable with being dependent upon blaming everything on his situation. So perhaps that's why Jesus asked him if he in reality wanted to be healed. Is it possible we can ever get so comfortable with blaming everything about our lives on our situation that if somebody said, do you want it to change? We might go, well, wait a minute, let me think about that because I've built my whole life around this, this situation that I'm in. So in reality, the issue for the man as well as for us is this, is can what you're hoping in deliver what you're hoping for. Then, in spite, you know, think about this. Jesus said, do you want to get well? What did Jesus, what did the man say back to Jesus? In scripture. He, he says, I have, he, he, he really, he, he doesn't answer the question, does he? No, he doesn't answer the question. So, what does Jesus do? He just says, get up. Get up. Pick up your mat and walk. Immediately, the man got up. He picked up his mat and he could walk. For 38 years, he's been waiting. He's been looking for a way to get himself into that water. And now, he gets healed without any part of him even touching the water. Right? He didn't get wet. Hey, this man was just like you and me. All he really needed to change his situation, no matter how long he's been there, no matter how many excuses, is all he needed is what you and I need, and that's a touch from Jesus. Your situation can change like that. can change like that. So, just one other question. Why, why do you think the man, why do you think Jesus chose, I mean, there had to be people, people all around that pool, but for some reason Jesus chose this man. 
me, there were a lot of other people there too. Why do you think he chose this man and not one of the others? Could have been. Seniority. <laughs> no, maybe, maybe he'd been there the longest. Maybe God had directed his footsteps to that man. Maybe Jesus knew the impact that this man's healing might have on all the others who were there. Maybe he was the best example. Whatever it is, look, Scripture doesn't tell us. Okay, Scripture doesn't tell us. And, and truth is, there's some things we'll just never fully know the answer to till we get to heaven. Okay? But here's a couple of things that we do know about this situation that ought to be very encouraging to you and me. And the first thing is that Jesus loves the lost and the broken. No, and no matter what kind of broken or what kind of lost. He loves the lost and the broken. Scripture talks about he's the good shepherd who will leave the 99 sheep that are doing okay. He'll leave them to go search for the one lamb that's lost. And you know what? Lost is lost. It doesn't matter whether the lamb wandered off or ran off. Some of us have wandered away in life from the Lord. Others of us at times have run away from God. Aren't you glad to know that he'll leave and come look for you? Jesus loves the lost and the broken. Jesus wasn't critical of the man. Even if the man has been blaming his life and circumstances on this situation for the last 38 years, he doesn't he isn't critical of the man or or the reasons why the man became unable to walk in the first place he he attached no requirements there were no strings attached to the man's healing he just cared about him and wanted to see him whole luke 19:10 tells us for the son of man came to seek and save the lost and Psalm 147, 3 says he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. Jesus loves the people that are broken and lost and he, he wants to see us healed. Here's the other thing. This is how much Jesus cared about that man. It was the Sabbath. I mean, Jesus knew all the rules, right? He knew all the rules. But he was willing to break a religious rule, a religious rule to rescue one of his lambs and to heal him on the Sabbath. Conversely, think about the Pharisees. They saw this guy that they've seen by that pool for 38 years. They see him up and walking. What would you think the first thing they might say is? Praise God, you've been healed. Praise God, right? Yeah, you don't have to be, but look what a marvelous, what a miracle has happened on the Sabbath for you. Come and tell us all about it. 
No, the first words out of their mouth was, it tells us, is that they criticized the man for carrying his mat. Because it was the Sabbath. Instead of rejoicing about his healing. You know, unfortunately there are some people who would rather sit in a religious meeting and argue over the clarification of some minor point of Scripture than to go out into their community and search for the lost. Help the broken. Pray for healing for the sick. Go out and look for that one suffering lamb. Even if it is on the Sabbath. (laughs) Here's the other thing. Jesus meets us where we are. We should all be thankful for that. We should all really be thankful for that. Jesus is willing to meet us where we are. You know, think about it. That guy been there for 38 years. Jesus is in town. He could have sent word. He could have sent a messenger over to the guy and says, Hey, uh, tell that guy to figure out how to get over here because I'll be ministering tonight, you know, over here. And, if, and, you know, just get himself over here. Well, I guess if he could have gotten himself over there, he could have probably gotten into the pool. Probably wouldn't work, but you know, you know what I'm saying? But Jesus didn't tell the guy to come get to him. He, he didn't tell him that he had to you know, get to some special meeting. Okay? It's just as soon as he found him, he healed him. Remember those other examples of Jesus healing some people I read you a few minutes ago? Just think about this, how this was different. Jesus also, he didn't ask the man if he had faith that Jesus could heal him. Or, or that he was willing. Do you think I'm willing to heal you like the other guys that asked him? Jesus just saw him in this pitiful situation and he's and irrespective of how he got there, how long he had been there, if it was his fault or not. I mean, Jesus didn't even say, I would, you know, if, if it hadn't been your fault. He just, he just saw him where he was. And all he said was, get up. And certainly, if there was any need to you know, further clarify that Jesus is the source of healing and not the water, I mean... Obviously, if the water had been important to his healing, then wouldn't have Jesus been the one to carry him over to the water and put him in? You know what I mean? If Jesus wanted to heal him and it was really anything to do with the water, well, he said, here, finally, let me help you then. But he wanted everybody there. Think about that. When he healed this man and he got up without touching the water, everybody else in that place thought, well, this is a waste of time. Think of the change in all of their lives because now what they understood was that water is not going to be my source of healing. What I've been putting my hope in can't deliver what I'm hoping for, but here's someone who can. I should be putting my faith, my trust in Jesus. Think, I think they just probably had a, maybe a revival broke out right there. I don't know, but I'm telling you what an example that that was. Jesus just told him to get up. 
Okay, there's one other interesting thing in this scripture that I want us to, to just look at for a second, okay? Because I think it's important. Uh, towards the end of the passage we read, in John 5, 14, verse 14, remember it said that Jesus saw the guy again later? So Jesus saw him later. And he said, see, you're well again. Which kind of references back to you were well before, you were 38 years not well, now you're well again. You're well again. He says, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Now, okay, I'll ask you this. What do you think Jesus was saying there? What, what, what do you think he meant by that? Want to be healed? Yeah, any thoughts? Yeah, I'm sorry? He saw the sin, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, you know, that, okay, it, I mean, can you imagine, there's, there's one way to read that. Now, look, we know the Lord, right? We know he's good and kind and, okay. But, I mean, there's one way you could read that, like where he said, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. You could, I guess, read that that it's kind of like a threat. You know, like, like if, you, if, you, if you ever sin again, I'm going to zap you. Okay, I, but that's not God's character, is it? No, look, what this was, was this, it's a warning, it is a warning, but it's a warning from someone who loves him and cares for him. In fact, he loves him and cares for him so much that he had just healed him, right? Okay, so, so let, me, let me give you an example of what I think this is really talking about, all right? So, if you've ever known somebody, and, and we've had, got people here who've worked in, addictions before okay but if you've ever known anybody that's like been cured or 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 worked their way out of drug addiction all right and and let's say that they were addicted to heroin just for example because that's strong okay and they get clean all right if you if you fall back into that addiction you won't go back to the beginning and like smoke some marijuana or take some pills and 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 kind of start down this hill and gradually go down to the bottom to where you were when you were addicted to heroin if you've been addicted and you get clean and you go back you will find yourself basically immediately right at the worst of where you were before. You'll be right back at the worst of your addiction. By the way, all sin is like that. All sin is like that. Whether it's drugs, pornography, stealing, lying, Gluttony. You pick it. Jesus is just encouraging the man not to return to his sinful past, whatever that was. Because if he does, he will immediately find himself right back at the worst of it. And as a result, that sinful behavior will simply be able to destroy him that much quicker. That much faster. 
And that's the same with any of these other sins, not only the list I mentioned, but others. When, if, we, if we free ourselves from something that does not honor God, if we free ourselves because of God's healing power in our lives, his forgiveness, and we're freed of this, some sinful behavior of the past, and we go back, we won't go back and start all over from the beginning. We will end up right back in the same pit where we were when Jesus found us, rescued us, saved us, and healed us. Jesus loved the man, and he didn't want to see him living that life that was, would be far less than God's best for him. And Jesus feels the same way about you and me. So, based on what we've read today in this portion of Scripture, I think Jesus' question of that man is an appropriate one for you and me. And it's got to do with what should you do if you're waiting to be healed? What should you do if you're waiting to be healed? Well, the first thing, if you're waiting to be healed, is believe that Jesus can heal you. Believe that he can. We need to walk in faith. We need to follow biblical models here. James 5, 14 to 16 tells us that if you're sick, call the elders of the church to pray over you and anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up, and if they've sinned, they'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. We need to believe that Jesus is the source. Can what you're hoping for, right? Depends on what you're believing in. And then, like the man, fortunately, the man did get one thing completely right. When Jesus said, get up, he got up. I mean, he could have sat there and said, I can't get up. I, I don't know how his body felt different the minute Jesus said, get up. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if all of a sudden he, you know, kind of did a thing and his muscles were strong. I don't know. We, we don't know that. But what we do know is that he was at least obedient enough that when Jesus said, get up, boy, that must have sparked some faith in his life that he got up. And when Jesus tells you or me to get up or to get out or to come you know, to, to make a change in our life, because that was a change in his life. That was a change. Get up. Sometimes what Jesus is telling you and me is stop doing that. That's what he's putting on our hearts. Sometimes he's saying, that's not good for you. Sometimes he's maybe telling you or me, you know, there's some folks you're hanging around that are not good for you. There's some behaviors you're, you're participating in. They're not good for you. And we need to listen and, and because we want to believe that Jesus can help change our situation, that when we are confronted with it, let's say yes and let's do it. The second thing we need to do is we need to reject the enemy's lies and excuses. What do I mean by that? Well, first of all, you can be in a situation and you can be too proud to ask for help. Sometimes we're too proud to ask friends or neighbors or whatever, but sometimes I think we're too proud or think we're too cool to ask God for help. 
So don't let pride get in the way of keeping you from coming to Jesus. Also, and somebody mentioned this earlier, don't let the enemy's lie that's trying to tell you you don't deserve to be healed, that it's your fault, you brought that. Listen, the enemy will tell you everything that's wrong with your life is your fault. You brought it on yourself. And he will point out every bad decision you ever made to try and convince you of that because his biggest fear is that you will believe that no matter how you got in this pit, that if Jesus comes to look for you, you can be healed. You can be rescued. He does not want you to understand that because if you'll stay down there, he's got you. So what we've got to understand is it is not God's will for you to not be helped or healed, but the enemy will tell you you don't deserve it. And the other thing we need to do is to surround ourselves with sources of hope. Now, you can get hope out of reading God's Word. God's Word is full of hope. You can get hope out of surrounding yourself with other believers, like right here on Sunday morning when we all come together and worship and praise God together and look at His Word together and we have times of fellowship. That is a source of hope. It reminds you that there is, there's more going on in life than just what's going on in your life. You, there are lots of ways we can find sources of hope. And, and I just want to encourage you that, that part of rejecting the enemy's lies and excuses is, is surrounding yourself with, with sources of hope. And finally, the third thing we can do while we're waiting for healing is we can keep praying and keep seeking healing and believing. We can receive what God's Word says about healing. Isaiah 53, 5 says he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We can claim that promise, that, that ability to heal. Right this morning when we had communion, we talked about that. And you can claim healing. Luke 8.50 says, hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, this man, he says, don't be afraid, just believe. And he's talking about his daughter. And she'll be healed. Don't be afraid, just believe. And Mark 10.52, Jesus, uh, go, Jesus said, your faith has healed you. Just your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus. Look, we need to trust God's will to be accomplished in your life or in the life of the person you're praying for. Okay? You just need to trust it because he does love us. He will come and look for us. He, he, he meets us where we are. And then we just need to trust that his plan will be accomplished in our lives when we trust him with helping us get out of that pit. I know this. I know this. Um, I know that in our lives, not everyone I've ever loved gets healed. You know, I, I understand that. And I understand there's some things we will never fully understand until we get to heaven. But I know this. I know this. As long as I'm alive, I believe God's word. And God's word tells me I can pray to be healed. The outcome is in God's hand. We don't know exactly, like we said earlier, why Jesus picked the one guy to heal. 
But I know this, he didn't make a mistake, did he? He didn't make a mistake. He didn't, it wasn't an oversight. It wasn't like he was the only guy that, you know, registered for the drawing. I mean, I, no, do you understand? And I'm really not trying to be silly here, but I want us to understand. Look, I don't know why Jesus picked that one man when, there, when there, obviously there was probably a, who knows, 50 or 100 or I don't know, but a whole people around this pool who, who some of them, their physical need may have actually been greater than this guy's. We don't know. All I know is this. I serve a God who loves me. Can you say that? I serve a God who loves me, right? I serve a God who at some point in my life dug me out of the pit. Now, some people's pit is deeper than others. But you know what? A pit is a pit, right? He, and he has been faithful to me over my life. And if, if I need healing, I'm going to trust him. I am going to pray with faith because there are so many areas of my life that he has been faithful into me up till now. And I think you could say the same thing, that I can't say, well, you know what? He just likes you guys, but he doesn't like me. No, he's been faithful to me, and he's been faithful to you. And if you're honest, you can name things and, and write a list of times when God has blessed you and been faithful to you. But there may be times when God doesn't answer every prayer the way I think he should. Okay, and I have to be okay with that. Because you know what? What I do know is he didn't make a mistake. He didn't make a mistake. So look, as we get ready to close today, I just want to say one more time this. Only Jesus can heal what's sick, what's broken, what's wounded in your life. Only Jesus. Only Jesus can restore what's broken. Whether it's your body, it's relationships, it's your work life, whatever it is. Whatever's broken, he's the only one that can restore it. And Jesus is the only one that can change your circumstances who can redeem your past and can rewrite your story going forward. So, with that said, I'd like everybody to stand up. Like everybody, just bow your heads. Nobody looking around. Nobody looking around. This is a private moment. The question for you and me this morning is, so do you want to be healed? Do you want it? Do, do you want to be healed? You could say, do you want to be healed? Look, for you... Maybe you're healing. Maybe you're looking for healing for, could be high blood pressure, could be diabetes, could be cancer, could be thyroid issues. I don't know. It could be some other medical condition. I don't know. Or maybe you need healing from loneliness or depression or a bad relationship or an addiction. 
don't know. And you know what? The good news is, is that Jesus is the answer to all of those things. So right now, heads bowed, nobody looking around, whatever your need is, whatever that area of your life that you'd say, man, I need healing, I need help, I need restoration, I, need, I, I want Jesus to come rewrite my story on this. Whatever that is, tell him. Just tell it to him right now. Don't need to hear it. Just you, you t- But tell him right now. And when you've told him, raise your hand as a sign that you're asking him to release healing, hope, and restoration into your life. You can put your hands down, Lord, today. Oh, God. We're all, Lord. I don't care what we look like on the outside. God, we've all, we're all broken people in one way or the other. We've all got areas of our life, Lord, that desperately need your touch. That desperately need your touch. And so, Lord, today... We've told you what those things are, those areas are. Lord, that we don't know any other, we, we don't know where else to go. We don't know where else to turn. Fortunately, it's you. Lord, thank you that we can come to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Our hope is in you. So we've told you what area we have. And Lord, right now, because Father, we've offered up this prayer in faith. Lord, in Jesus' name and faith, I ask you to release your healing power into every life here. That raised a hand. I ask you to release your healing touch. Lord, for physical healing, mental, emotional, relational, Lord, whatever it is, Lord, right now, we receive your healing touch in our lives. We receive it. And we praise your name right now, Father. We want to thank you for what you're doing in hearts and lives and bodies right now. In Jesus' precious and holy name. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you, upon you, and give you peace. Amen.